Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, this is Forum. I'm Michael Krasny. A Peninsula brewery hosted a protest with 80 customers last month while a Marin County restaurant has gathered more than 5,000 signatures petitioning to end the outdoor dining ban. Now, a coalition of Bay Area restaurants and wineries have filed a lawsuit claiming that the ban on outdoor dining is causing undue economic hardship and forcing closures and that there's no scientific evidence to back it up. We'll hear about the lawsuit. Then at 9.30, George Saunders is one of the most celebrated fiction writers today, but his new book looks back to examine great stories of the past. A Swim in the Pond in the Rain is a close look at seven classic 19th century Russian short stories, and we'll talk to Saunders about reading and writing and great literature next, right after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Michael Krasny. The ban on outdoor dining is, quote, arbitrary, irrational, and unfair. That's according to a lawsuit filed Tuesday by a coalition of Bay Area restaurants and wineries. The suit claims that there is no science to support the spread of COVID-19 in outdoor settings, and it warns that businesses will continue to close unless the ban is reversed. But the state says the ban is necessary to save lives and prevent hospitals from reaching capacity. What's your take on the outdoor dining ban? You can give us a call now. 866-733-6786 is a number for your calls. Again, that's 866-733-6786. And you can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email forum at kqed.org. And joining us to talk about the outdoor dining ban is Cynthia Ariasta. She's the owner of Pizzeria Trevina in St. Helena and a member of the Wine County, excuse me, the Wine Country Coalition for Safe Reopening. And welcome to the program. Good morning. Thank you so much. Good to have you. Also good to have Dr. Peter Chin Hong back with us, infectious disease specialist from UCSF Medical Center. Good to have you. Good morning. My pleasure. Good morning. Let me begin, uh, Cynthia Ariosta, with you. And uh, let's begin by just finding out really what's behind this lawsuit and why you think it's so irrational and unfair, uh, not to mention arbitrary. I know that we're talking about uh, a ban that really is helping to bankrupt this industry and also certainly keeping a lot of people from jobs of all sorts, uh, and more businesses will shut down if the ban is continued. But the state is saying that the ban saves lives and it prevents hospitals from, as I said in my introduction, reaching capacity. So this um, all started in December when a bunch of restaurateurs uh, got together with the new mandate kind of looming um, and saying, what, what can we do to support each other? You know, how can we work together to 
get through this next uh, this next shutdown. Um, and so that's really how the coalition started. Um, and then when the ban went into place and we realized that it seemed like we were never coming out of it, we felt like we really had to take action because the restaurant, the restaurant industry, particularly the restaurants that are part of the coalition, the owners that are part of the coalition, we have worked so hard. Um, every time a new mandate has come down and the guidance has said, okay, if you put up walls, if you separate tables, if you um, sanitize everything, if you have disposable menus, um, every single thing that we've been asked to do with the guidance from the CDC, we have done. Um, and then we get told it isn't enough. And so we've had this roller coaster of up, down, up, down, you know, open, shut, open, shut. So then it finally came to back to outdoor dining where there, I'm, I'm interested to hear um, what the doctor, what doctor has to say, because we have not been able to really find specific data that substantiates that outdoor dining when following these guidelines, these specific protocols of social distancing, limited party size, um, sanitizing, you know, keeping tables, you know, immaculately clean is a significant cause of the spread of uh, the coronavirus when compared to other very risky indoor activities in particular. And that's where the arbitrariness comes from. It seems like, okay, well, we know we can take this segment and shut it down, um, but then other other industries just get to keep going on and on and on without really much they have to do to change the way they're operating business. In fact, I think uh, you've cited outdoor gyms and indoor retail not being banned, and that seems again to be inconsistent and irrational from your point of view. I mean, for example, you could have gone to a gun show in Fairfield last weekend over two days. I that to me was just astonishing that you could go to a gun show in an indoor facility with people walking around with no controls. There wasn't even any COVID related information on their website saying, you know, this is how we're going to operate or whatever. So that was allowed to go on in Fairfield, but we can't have outdoor dining. It just seems very arbitrary. Um, uh, and you can get on an airplane right now. Let's find out uh, the science of this. We'll go to Peter Chin Hong on this. And I just want to mention that, uh, the governor's office released a statement on this. They refused to, or I should say, declined to participate, but they did send a statement from Jesse Melgar, who's a spokesperson for the governor. And I'm going to read it before I go to Peter Chin Hong. The statement says, we will vigorously defend against this lawsuit challenging public health orders implemented to save lives and prevent the regional medical system from collapsing so all residents can access life-saving treatment. We are confident the court will uphold the order, as have numerous courts that have recently considered similar challenges. And we should also mention that we asked the California Department of Public Health to participate this morning. They also declined to join us, commenting that they have uh, made it a, a fast rule that they don't comment on pending litigation. But they have said, at least to journalists, that California uh, COVID can have wider spread risks uh, if uh, you leave the house or you leave the apartment, and that includes uh, dining outside. So let's get the latest science, if we can, from you, Dr. Jin Hong. Yeah, so let me just start from the basics. And everyone in this audience knows really well, I think we've all had, had a crash course in infectious diseases over the year. And so the virus really gets to infect someone jumping from someone's nose or mouth to somebody else's nose or mouth. And of course, you increase the chance of that by, by um, having an exposed nose or mouth and duration. 
And you can mitigate that risk by being outdoors versus indoors because we've realized that ventilation is a key factor. And, um, you know, that, that sort of shaped the science uh, as the months went by. In terms of the data, there isn't much data as for outdoor dining risk specifically, but I think that the public health guidance is around really not bringing noses and mouths together that are unmasked. And I think that's what the spirit of the public health group is and the governor, um, whether or not that's, you know, quick and nimble to respond to what's going on in the environment is one thing uh, and that we can debate and, and the configuration of Napa and Sonoma, you know, sort of together with this Bay Area region, uh, which is not really the center of where a lot of COVID cases are is another issue, but but that's essentially the biology, the 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 science uh, again very limited with uh, risk, specifically targeted to outdoor dining, but indoor dining, of course, uh, multiple risks. And there was one study, uh, I think the most recent study is from Stanford and others uh, in Nature, showing that when they looked at mobility data, uh, uh, much of the infection risk is down to 10% of places, including gyms and restaurants, but I think most people think that that was due to indoor dining. I think that there have been several and numerous reports of of transmissions linked to indoor dining, um, uh, specifically around ventilation, Um, but again, like you said, none to outdoor dining. Well, some argue that people shut off from outdoor dining will be more uh, inclined to dine indoors or to congregate indoors. And I want to just mention for listeners' sake that uh, Los Angeles judge uh, asked for a risk-benefit analysis because he thought there was lack of scientific evidence. And then the appeals court said that the ban would be kept at least until February. Let me bring some of our listeners in again. If you want to join us, we want to know your take on outdoor dining ban and uh, on the outdoor dining ban. If you have some thoughts, Please feel free to join the program, or if you have questions, the number to call again is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. And let's go to a caller in Sebastopol. Jessica, join us. Good morning. Good morning. You are on the air. Hi. Oh, I'm just going in to uh, express the impact that I'm uh, experiencing with restaurants being closed to outdoor dining or no dining. I am a single parent of two children, 11 and 13. Um, I am a server at a restaurant, and I solely rely on the tips that I accumulate while working. Um, Right now, unemployment is only willing to pay me $700 a month, which puts me about $2,000 every month in the red. I'm unable to pay my rent. It's 1945. And I'm just kind of don't see how this is working because there is no social safety net uh, protecting the restaurant industry and protecting the people who survive on tips. Yeah, what about that? Uh, let me go back to you, Peter Chinhong, uh, Jessica's call. Yeah, so, you know, in terms of protection for, for the restaurant workers, um, you know, I, I think we've really languished and it's been heartbreaking to see that, um, you know, uh, restaurant workers are putting themselves at risk. And I think teachers, for example, feel the same way uh, about that. I think with some of the new laws passed in 2021, hopefully with uh, restaurant owners having to disclose when other employees are positive will help with that. And with the new administration, specific attention to providing PPE for 
settings like schools and finances and money will help mitigate that risk. And hopefully with the rollout of vaccines uh, in a timely way, uh, at least the highest risk individuals will will have some protection. But I totally understand that risk and benefit because, again, it's, you know, schools is one thing and then restaurants are another. And, you know, it's, you know, there are arguments on both sides. Again, Peter Chin Hong is infectious disease specialist at UCSF's Medical Center. And Mark is our next caller. Mark joins us from Emeryville. Good morning, Mark. You're on the air. Hello. Love your show. Glad to be on for the first time. Uh, my comment has to do with outdoor dining is actually not being very outdoorsy at all. Uh, here in Berkeley and Emeryville, I see outdoor dining, which is basically under what looks like a party tent with four walls that are made of plastic, but nevertheless, the ventilation in there must not be very different from what's indoors. And also, people are crowded together. I see outdoor dining on sidewalks that are not party tented. But um, what I see is the tables are really close together. Of course, nobody's wearing a mask. And people are standing in line right adjacent to the diners, standing there sometimes wearing a mask, waiting for a table. Uh, I stay away from those. When I see that on the street, I just cross the street and keep going in some other direction. Thank you for that call, Mark. I want to go to you, Cynthia, if I may, Cynthia Ariosta. Um, yeah, I was actually reading uh, one of the uh, articles or that uh, the doctor was quoted in where he was saying how um, there's different types of outdoor dining and walking down, you know, Valencia Street with people going by with their dogs and, and you know, pedestrians on the street is a different setting than maybe might be uh, in a more rural area. And I think that the reason that this um, this suit is is uh, in Napa and Sonoma is because we do have so much space. We have room to spread out. And we are really looking for guidance. If the guidance says you can be outdoors, but the tables need to be eight feet apart, if you can only have four people, if they have to be masked at the tables when they are not eating and drinking, we just want a lane that we can count on and that we can stay in so that people like Jessica can come back to work and count on a paycheck to feed her family. Um, All right, we're going to hear we from really... all of our... I'm, I'm sorry, we're coming up on a break here. Uh, I'll get back to you, Cynthia, when we return, but we are coming up on a break for about 60 seconds. Stay tuned. We'll return. I'm Michael Krasny. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. This is Forum. I'm Michael Krasny. We're talking about the outdoor dining ban with Dr. Peter Chen Hong, infectious disease specialist at UCSF's Medical Center, and Cynthia Ariasta, who is owner of Pizza Travina in St. Helena and a member of the Wine Country Coalition for Safe Reopening. And we want to hear your take on the outdoor dining ban. If you have something you'd like to say about it or you'd like to ask about it, you can give us a call now at 866-733-6786. Here's a tweet, and by the way, uh, you can reach us on Twitter and Facebook at KQED Forum or email us, forum at kqed.org. 
This is a listener who tweets, I'm a very careful observer of quarantine rules, but I really don't get the ban on outdoor dining. Restaurants have invested a lot of money to comply. Also, it's a perfect opportunity to take seriously and implement strategies that work in controlling the virus. And P.S., why are the casinos open? I think casinos are open because, for the most part, they come under uh, a different sovereignty of Indian. The Indian-owned casinos are under Indian law. But here's a listener. Uh, let me go back to you, Cynthia Ariosta, if I may. Um, who says, I'm a winery owner in the Bay Area who is hurting financially. Still, hard closures now will allow bigger, better openings when we get this pandemic under better control. Without the ban, we'll be doing this forever. The science is clear. Lockdown. You say what to that listener? Well, I'm looking at the CDC Facebook page right now that's uh, from January 10th that says, looking to dine out, you're less likely to be exposed to COVID-19 outdoors. Try these ideas for getting food from a restaurant. Pick up curbside, get food delivered, eat outside at a restaurant where the tables are at least six feet apart. I mean, that is from the CDC Facebook page just, you know, 10 days ago. So, I mean, when you're getting that messaging from the CDC and then getting the messaging that we're dangerous, what are we, I mean, where, where, tell us, tell us where we're dangerous and why and how. And in the last five weeks, we've been shut down. Wineries and restaurants have been shut down and the cases have continued to spike. Um, among the coalition members, we've discussed the fact that taking this kind of safer place to gather away from people just forced them indoors into unhealthier settings, gathering, you know, inside, in homes, in, some, you know, more close quarters than they would be if we had allowed them to gather, particularly over the holidays in restaurant outdoor settings following the safety precautions. And I wonder if I could go back to you, uh, Dr. Chin Hong, uh, what about the, the argument that the ban has actually driven people to host indoors at their homes and that this may aggra have aggravated the surge? Well, Michael, I think that gets to the whole idea of messaging and harm reduction, which is something we've embraced in medicine and specifically infectious diseases for a long time. And the argument is as such, when you say messages like don't do this or don't do that, don't have sex or don't do drugs, these messages may not be nuanced enough and, and maybe a more healthy approach is to give people tools, uh, arm them with ways in which they can be safer. With that said, you know, what we've experienced in, in the Bay Area and specifically in Southern California over the holidays was really mind blowing and nothing we've experienced during the whole year. But it is lightening up now and I feel a little bit more relieved that things are settling down. So I think there wasn't as much given the system and I think everyone was super nervous. And that's probably why things looked so austere in terms of public health directives. But right now, you know, maybe it's a different time, maybe Napa and Sonoma and I, I, you know, having spent time in wine country a lot myself, it is a little bit different um, regionally than on other parts. Let's bring another caller on. Josh joins us next. Josh, welcome. You're on the air. Good morning. And thank you so much for, for, for bringing up this important topic, because I really think it, it points to a, what I think is a bigger problem. And that is that it seems like here in California, whenever we face a really substantial crisis, and I would and I would point to you know, COVID is being one and, and climate change is a great example of another. It seems like this, the governor and our state government and the regulatory authorities in our state always seem to go at least two steps beyond what ends up being historically the right response in terms of um, regulation and, and the use of executive authority. And so I guess my question is, why do we seem to find ourselves 
in a situation where we are above and beyond the CDC or where we are above and beyond everybody else when, in fact, there's no science to support what we're doing. So uh, I guess that's, that's a comment and a question, I guess. Well, there, it is both a comment and a question. And, you know, I'm going to bring another caller on here who uh, waits tables and who brings us into a similar focus. Michelle joins us from Oakland next, and then we'll go to our guest. Michelle, go ahead. You're on. Oh, good morning, Michael. Morning. Um, I just had a comment as, as a waitress to make that something that was incredibly frustrating for me while I was waiting tables, both outdoor and indoor, in the Bay Area is people's total unwillingness to comply with the suggested regulations. I would say before I sat them down, so we're going to wear a mask when we're not eating or drinking, right? And they would say, yes, absolutely. We totally understand. And I would reiterate it to them multiple times. And just immediately, as soon as I left the table, masks were on the table, on the ground, just left everywhere. It was it was really frustrating, concerning, and a little insulting as the person who has to wait on them. Well, Michelle, thank you for that call. And I'm going to go back to you, Cynthia, if I may. Uh, this notion that um, people aren't wearing masks. In fact, I'm looking at a bunch of comments about them. I've been bothered, Pam writes, by outdoor dining, even when the virus was less prevalent. Whenever I walk by outdoor diners, they always have their face masks off, even if they're just sitting and talking and not eating or drinking. And most restaurants seem to take a very relaxed view of what six feet apart means. I know you've, uh, this kind of ties in with a couple of things, but particularly with the idea that, things, that the FIAD is coming down from the state. You were reading before from the CDC, and perhaps you put more credence in the CDC, as many people do, than what comes down from the state. But there are lines of authority here that I think uh, really need to be, I suppose, from your perspective, questioned. Yeah, I guess I do question the, I do question the authority a little bit um, in terms that, you know, it, Again, I'm going to go back to where is the data about outdoor dining and the direct linkage that shows the caseload that is coming from us as, as from that activity as opposed to other activities. Even watching our own um, public health officer in Napa, she does a presentation uh, every other week for the Board of Supervisors and the number one cause of spread week after a presentation after presentation after presentation is household gatherings. It's household transmission. Um, there's actually never a line item that specifically says restaurants or restaurant transmission. The next usually is community spread unknown. Um, and so, you know, without really seeing that line item that says, here's how many cases we can determine are coming from restaurants, you know, those of us in the restaurant and the wine industry want to say, well, if you can't specifically say it's us, if you can't trace it back to us, if you can't say we know this many of these cases or this percentage, that it, as compared again to other indoor riskier activities or potentially riskier activities, then we need to be able to reopen safely and give us the lane to do that. Um, we have been told, you know, certain things will work. And then we do them and then we get shut down again. I agree with the tent uh, conversation that happened a little earlier. You know, our tent at our restaurant is two-sided. All the sides that are down do open. So on nice days, it's almost, you know, a open air just with a cover. Um, and I agree that the tents cannot, should not be fully enclosed. That would just be indoor dining again. Um, I, but I certainly understand the frustrations you feel. And welfare. We have everybody's safety and welfare at the heart of what we do. We are the hospitality industry. We are, that we are about caring for people. Um, we just want to be able to do it in a way that's safe. 
Yeah, I understand, as I was saying, your frustrations, particularly in this roller coaster you've been on. And it's so heartbreaking to think of people who have put their lifeblood into restaurants and who are really suffering and feeling they have to close down because they simply can't make it. And here's a listener who writes, big business rules. I can go to Target or Lowe's or Best Buy, even fly across the country in the ultimate confined space, but I can't get a haircut. Small business owners are suffering. And uh, another listener raises a question coming up on another break here, but I'd like to go back to you, Dr. Chin Hong. Linda says, it seems the problem with outdoor dining has to do with the mixing of households rather than the fact of outdoor dining itself. If parties or tables were truly limited to members of a single household, it would be fine. Unfortunately, when restaurants were open, you saw lots in violation of the spirit of various orders. Yes. So the more you mix households, you, the more you mix unknown risk risky noses and mouths together you increase the chance that uh some virus is going to jump from one to the other um you know but that's a moving risk i would say and i think over the the extreme peak that we've had uh in california that that risk was as high as one in five in southern california uh lower in the in northern california but still um you know we had we were in a different place then than we were earlier in the year, but you know things are lightening up now, so I think it's a good time to reevaluate that for sure. Let me try to get a quick call on here from Sarah and San Rafael. Sarah, join us. Good morning. Hi, thank you so much for taking my call. Uh, I just have a comment. I am a nurse practitioner and I work for a plastic surgery office. We have been open since June doing lip fillers, Botox, uh, laser procedures where we're in an enclosed room with no windows, no masks, and um, it just doesn't make any sense that you can come in and have that kind of stuff done and you can't, you know, eat some French fries outside at a picnic table. I, I just think it's absurd. Well, I thank you for that call, Sarah. We end on that note of inconsistency, and let me thank Peter Chin Hong. Good to have you with us, Dr. Chong. Dr. Chin Hong, thank you. My pleasure. Peter Chin Hong again is infectious disease specialist with UCSF Medical Center. And so the Ariosti, I wish you good luck. I appreciate your being with us this morning and uh, carry on. Thank you for being with Thank us. Thank you so much. Owner of the Pizzeria Trevina in St. Helena and a member of the Wine Country Coalition for Safe Reopening. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary all over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.